Sam Altman is back at OpenAI. But does that mean everything is right in the Microsoft and OpenAI universe? And what happens next to the AI field? Aaron Levy joins us to break it all down right after this. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to Big Technology Podcast, where we've somehow become a daily show about the travails and the next chapters of the OpenAI saga. Maybe this is the final one. We're here today with Box CEO Aaron Levy, who seems to always be here when things are going <laughs> insane in the AI world. And maybe that's just a function of this industry, but we definitely have a live one to discuss today. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, yeah, good, good to be on. And uh, I, I do like that um, I get to talk about all the drama with you all the time. Yeah, we, we love having you on and we appreciate you being here in a very hectic moment in the tech world. Let me start with this. Is this good for AI? Yes, it is. Why? Um, I think, um, uh, and, and, and I want to be very clear that uh, anything I'm, I'm saying is purely on reading, you know, the, the outside reports on, on what's going on. So, so some of this is, is a bit conjecture. Um, but if you take, if you, if you take, um, if you look at kind of what has been talked about as, as what led to the events, um, where, where Sam had to depart open AI, um, I think actually, I think this conversation on, on, you know, sort of AI, uh, safety and doomerism actually does need to come to a head eventually. And um, I think we have to get to a point where we're talking about AI safety in much more, I think, reasonable, practical terms. Um, I think we have let um, uh, this is all all just sort of my personal view. I think we've let sort of the conversation move more toward, um, you know, really extreme, uh, very like like just insanely low probability existential risk type conversations and when you have that at a board level, and, and especially if there's multiple board members that are starting to or always have believed that, that you know, AI represents an existential risk to humanity and, and they're in this position where they're going to save humanity if, if, uh, if they stop something from happening, that is, that is clearly going to lead to just undesirable outcomes um, in an organization whose mission is to, is to build you know, AI and advance the state of AI. Um, you, you eventually will not be able to reconcile those views um, at, at some point. And so I, I think to some extent, this was probably always going to have to, um, you know, blow up at, at, at some stage. And, and this was just the moment that it did. And I think it's going to lead to some much more healthy conversations about, about, you know, how do we advance AI, do it in a safe way. But let's start to get a little bit more grounded in how we talk about some of these topics. Do you think OpenAI let some of this safety stuff get out of hand on its own. I mean, Sam was talking recently about how it's good that the board can remove him if they think he's taking this in the wrong direction. Um, I think that, that, you know, it's interesting, right? So, so I think actually that's a very good sentence to say um, because it's, it's showing that there's accountability mm-hmm. uh, and that you are not, you know, some, uh, uh, you, you know, kind of, you can't run the organization in a dictatorial way and have full autonomy and there's no oversight. Like that, that's actually like, like, you would want a CEO to say that about their organization. I think what we're learning, though, is is that um, is that it wasn't a board uh, that was was diverse enough in opinions and um, and experienced enough in some cases on 
on how you operate a large scale organization, how you make thoughtful decisions at a at, you know at a board level, and um, and that that actually turned out to be the problem. And he probably you know at the time of saying that didn't predict that that was mm-hmm. you know something that that would be um, you know would be would be you know plausible as a scenario. I think he was probably imagining saying that is like if I truly am kind of you know running out of control and going crazy, the board has the ability to to remove me, and that's a that's a safety valve you know, to the extent that people think there's risk out there. I don't think that his intent was, was they would do that, you know, preemptively by 10, by 10 years <laughs> right. uh, before we've, we've sort of shown any evidence that we're doing things in, a, in an unsafe or, uh, you know, type way. I've come down pretty hard against the doomers. Even before this, I wrote a story, maybe I think it was last week about how the AI doomers are finally getting their, their comeuppance. And I did get some feedback that said, I, I think it was kind of interesting to hear it that said, Basically, like, what if you're discounting something that's serious? And, of course, I don't think that... I personally don't think that we're, like, heading towards this AI doom scenario. But, like, you do hear the way that Sam has been talking about the stuff that they've developed. Let me... And I gave this... I spoke about this on one of our emergency shows as it was going on. But to Lorene Powell Jobs, he said, I think people have in their mind uh, how much better the model will be next year. And it's remarkable how much different it is. So... um, I'm kind of curious, like, do you feel like these these fears are completely overblown? And given the acceleration and the trajectory that the technology is moving, is it possible that the folks who are concerned about safety might have a point? Um, I think that it's first of all, I I like the you know, I I, I don't really like this term so much and how and how it generally gets used. But but I I like the marketplace of ideas. Like, I actually think. I actually think we should be constantly debating, you know, AI and AI safety and where the risk is and and whatnot. Um, you know, I think it's a very interesting intellectual, you know, type of conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I have friends that are on extreme ends of um, uh, of of the AI safety debate. That, but but then that's still different from board governance and and you, you're literally on the board of directors of a company whose mission it is and a nonprofit whose mission it is to advance the state of AI. And, and so then at some point you have to be, we have to live in the real world and be practical about the implications of, of that. Like don't, don't join that board if your views are what you're doing is, is that harmful to society. If, if you really deeply have that, that innate fear, like that's just the wrong board of directors to be on. So um, it, it uh, and so like, like, uh, you know, I, I, like there's an alternative universe uh, uh, where on Thursday night, the board members that, that were thinking that OpenAI was moving too fast, they should have just resigned in protest, right. done, a public, done a public post about why they resigned, <laughs> and then we should debate about how fast OpenAI is moving. But you don't think that, this, that, this, that we're like at a point where the technology is potentially threatening to humanity? I, I, I can't imagine how we get from what we're looking at today <laughs> yeah. to threatening to humanity. Um, and so we are, we're like total, like complete step function, discontinuous breakthroughs away from, uh, from that. Um, yeah. we are, we are at the stages of like, of like, we, we have some productivity gains across a few sectors right now with generative AI and, and we're in the very early stages of trying to figure out the implications of how to incorporate this into into our, our, you know, into, our, you know, software in a, in a meaningful way. Um, there's, there's simply nothing that relates to what we're looking at now and something that is sort of humanity ending. Right. So looking ahead, Sam's back at OpenAI right now. Is this really the end of this? Like, we don't have a board seat for Microsoft. We don't have the results of whatever investigation is going to happen. 
the board is apparently like it consists of like it's a hilarious board right now. What is it like? Larry Summers, Adam D'Angelo, and uh, Brett Taylor. Um, yeah. And and so so do you think this is really the end? I mean, they're supposed to fill it with nine more people. It's amazing you even got back in there. What do you think about it? Um, I, well, I, well, it's it's almost by definition not over. Um, but I don't. I think the the dramatic part period has. Uh, I think if you like looked at the Google Trends graph of like mm-hmm. how much drama and how many people are, <laughs> are following the OpenAI saga, I think we're going to see a dramatic, you know, sort of uh, uh, you know drop from this point. Um, simply because I think between Brett and Adam and and, and Larry. Um, you know, th- their charter is very clear at this point. It's, mm-hmm. you know, built, I, I, I mean, again, this is from what I'm reading, build out a, a strong board that can govern, you know, open AI. And, and you can almost just like already predict the kinds of names of people that would be on that board. It'll be operators. It'll be, it'll be policy people. And, you know, it'll, it'll be a, a you know, a, a, I can only predict a, a very well, def, you know, uh, constructed uh, board of, of, you know, strong, strong leaders. Um, and, and then their job will be to, to provide accountability and, and sort of oversight of the organization and, and Sam and Greg and the team will go and build AI. And that seems like, you know, kind of almost everything's back to normal, but probably with a, a hopefully a clearer charter of, of the organization, you know, on a go forward basis. Yeah. You and I had emailed, uh, when this was all getting started and, you know, talking about having you on here when things resolve and, When Sam agreed to go to Microsoft, I was like, is it time to email Aaron? It just felt like the ball was still up in the air. And I, that's when, once he decided he's back, like, I was like, okay, maybe this is the time. I hope this is really it. Uh, This feels, (laughs) this feels, this feels, I mean, the, the fact that you have the uh, either forced or voluntary resignation of the board members that, that appear to be at the center of a lot of this. Um, I think we're now entering a new chapter of, uh, of, of this. And, and I think it was very clear in the process, the quote unquote leverage that Sam had, where basically the entire organization was willing to go over to Microsoft. So, so right. at some point, you know, it, it becomes kind of semantics, which is like, well, what, you know, what, what is open AI if there's only 20 people left and, and, you know, a ChatGPT domain, if everything moves over to Microsoft and they can just go replicate the same thing, then you kind of lose all your leverage. Because mm-hmm. um, all you've really done is, is you know, you've gotten rid of a nonprofit organization, essentially. Um, and uh, and so you don't there's not a lot of you don't have a lot of negotiating leverage in that case. So um, so I think we're kind of now that we've seen the all the pieces on the on the uh, on the board, I think it becomes pretty um, uh, a, a much more boring saga at this point, which is a good thing. So. Right. OK, so I want to spend the bulk of our time together talking about what's next. Because yeah. obviously, like, this is this seismic moment, and there's, like, a very tidy narrative that a lot of people have wrapped up that it's great news for OpenAI and Microsoft. And I'm questioning that a little bit. Okay. Um, it seems like a lot of people are now kind of evaluating their um, their relationship with OpenAI. Not saying they're leaving, but saying they're like, wow, have I locked my company into the OpenAI API? And, like, what can I do to make sure that I am protected in yep. case something like this happens? What do you think? Yeah, so um, so f- first of all, I think uh, other than a very fast moving startup where you just don't have any time to to you know uh, have uh, have multiple paths that you're investing in, um, I think most organizations at scale have already imagined a world where they have to be um, uh, they have to have optionality on where their AI comes from. 
Um, any CIO we talk to, any CTO of a, of a, you know, let's say a SaaS company above a couple hundred million in revenue, and you talk to them about their AI strategy, um, either they've already done a mix of, of investments in AI, they're doing something with Llama, they're playing with Anthropic, they've, they've done something with Google, um, or they've at least been building an architecture that supports that. So, so I think that, you know, that optionality is already existing. Um, but OpenAI has the really important feature, which is they have the, the most advanced models mm-hmm. at the lowest cost per token. Uh, and that is, a, that is a competitive weapon and a competitive advantage that, that does not seem to be slowing down at this point. And so, and so you know, despite all of the events of the past week, that advantage is, is just an objective advantage. And these are not, you know, these are not uh, at, at this moment yet, uh, thus far, commoditized components that you can just sort of swap in and out. Um, maybe they will get there in five years from now. I actually would prefer that they do because we, we always mm-hmm. like to be able to have flexibility with our underlying suppliers. Um, but they're not swappable right now. And OpenAI does have the most advanced and the lowest cost per token models um, from our testing. And so I think the implication is is simply just that that you know hopefully there will continue to be leapfrogs by other vendors, Google and Amazon and Anthropic and Meta. Um, but but the reason why I, I you know at least I personally felt like it was super important to have the OpenAI you know piece resolved is they they do have the best technology, and so it would be very unfortunate to lose that and have to go to something that is more um, you know less advanced um, and then thus you know produce a less uh, uh, you know, high quality experience for our customers. So I, I, that, that's why I really like the resolution with, uh, with what kind of what we landed on. Right. So let me know if I'm getting this wrong, but you do have this open AI integration where people can effectively chat with their documents, right? Yep. And so you can't, you feel today that you can't really swap that out for an anthropic, for instance. Uh, we, we totally could. Uh, I'm talking about very, I'm talking about very small, subtle differences, but, right. but, but at, at you know, in the most objective measurement, OpenAI is is in the lead, and mm-hmm. so we could, of course, you know, introduce slightly you know more degraded functionality in in a pinch. Um, but I prefer an outcome where OpenAI you know continues to to execute as uh, as 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 we've seen. Right. So, are you building now, or are you preparing now to be in a place where? You're effectively model agnostic, or are you there already? Where like you can very quickly switch. We we are model agnostic. Okay. Um, what are you hearing from? And I mean, Anthropics out there, Inflections there. They must be like right now making a very serious sales pitch to try to get others on. I mean, what what are you hearing from them? Yeah. Um, so I, I I mean because it's only been a couple of days, mm-hmm. um, I, I probably can't sort of yet uh, synthesize what I, what what you know, their pitches have done or how that's changed. I would say, you know, interestingly, in something like Anthropic, and um, I have a lot of respect for, for their advancements and, and their models are incredibly strong, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the case of Anthropic, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, you, you know, they, they, are, they are a safety-first organization, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. again, in that, in that sort of idea of marketplace of ideas. You want, you want different companies trying out different things, but... It's not 100% obvious that they would not have the same kind of board, uh, you know, type event um, as OpenAI at some point if if they've des- you know, right. it they could on, have like, the same like, thing. Yeah, like for the first time ever, like I actually am like, oh, actually, I would want to see your board of directors 
um, <laughs> before before you know telling all of our customers to go rely on your 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 product. Like I didn't realize this was a a, a, a sort of a, a, a an area of risk uh, previously, and now it's obviously very very apparent that it is in this space. I had this uh, CEO on on LinkedIn drop a comment on a post that I wrote today, and I thought it was very interesting. He said, we have a proprietary AI engine for internal corporate data plus open AI for public data. I changed that strategy last week after the fiasco emerged to look at other point solutions in this space, such as Anthropic, which looks okay for now. Um, I've changed and I will not be changing back. I'm disappointed as we put a lot of effort into and cost into open AI, but you cannot run a solution stack faced with the circus and held ransom every time something goes wrong or people don't agree. It is really bad and I will not solely rely on open AI. It's too risky. Um, that you think that's going to be the mentality for, for others? Um, I think that again, the, uh, I, I think that's a good mentality. There's, again, right. there's upper limits of, of what, uh, of then how that actually, uh, works because you can be model agnostic, but if one model is, is literally superior for your use case, right. Then you still are going to, you're still going to default to, to the best model and then, and then, really, what you're saying is that in a in a you know in a you know kind of nuclear scenario, you can downgrade to some other model, um, but that's not like your default path. And mm-hmm. that that's that's actually just good business continuity in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know even when you're thinking about purely your infrastructure, you know if one if one data center zone goes down, you go down to you go to another, and that could actually be an entirely different vendor in some cases. So mm-hmm. I think AI, you know, will have a similar characteristic. Um, as you incorporate AI into your products, but there are going to be subtle differences of of then you know the product experience as you um, as you kind of downshift to another AI model. Yeah. Okay. And now now I'm going to get to the open source thing. So yeah. I I did post this on on Substack. You know my thoughts about the move to model agnosticism, and someone took it one step further, which is that and they said it this way. They said if you're a company that fine tuned open AI models for your product this weekend or this past week may lead you to switch to open source foundation models. Basically that if you needed any level of customizability, you may kind of say, well, screw it. Like we're not going to risk any company with any board, kind of like what you pointed out. We're yeah. going to go open source. We're going to you know, tune the model that, that works for us. And that yep. indicates that there'll be a rise of open source development. What do you think? That that actually, um, uh, you know, so open source is the is the best antidote to uh, uh, and the best you know counterbalance uh, to you know any kind of private uh, provide technology. So provided technology. So so I'm I'm in general always a favor of open source. Um, I think um, what we've seen from open source is still not as advanced as as some of the proprietary services, mm-hmm. um, but. This event, um, this event is is you know just one of like an infinite set of reminders of why it's always um, more ideal if you can control your technology. Nothing can ever be ripped out from under you under any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, kind of with some asterisks. And mm-hmm. um, and so um, and so I, I like uh, I would always if I if I always, if I always had the choose, choice of the same technology, closed or open source, I will always choose open source. Um, today, that is not yet a choice. Um, that that is um, uh, is realistic, just because again, where the state of the models are, and and that's where you kind of get into the talent question, right? OpenAI had always been able to attract these top flight researchers because it had this dual promise of pursue AGI, but do it like in a way that you could feel safe with, you know, consciously because of this special board. Yeah. Now the board's going to look a lot more like a standard corporate board, 
And yep. it might give companies that are trying to develop open source models a leg up because they could be like, hey, listen, like at least this is like publicly available open source. You're contributing yep. to the greater good. In fact, already today, Jan LeCun, who's the chief AI scientist at Meta, is amplifying this message and basically, yep. you know, all but telling people to come over to Meta and that Meta could be the big winner here. What's your perspective? Yeah, so um, so I think, you know, uh, uh, I, I think in the history of, of software and technology, we always have we always have some yin and yang of, mm -hmm. of a, a great proprietary platform and then somebody who counter positions that with an open platform. And we had it with Android and iPhone. We've had it with Linux and you know Windows and other other platforms. We have it in uh, Oracle versus MySQL. Um, uh, we've had it in, uh, in buying kind of proprietary infrastructure and then Facebook's open data center, you know, design efforts. So, so there's, there's almost inevitably always a closed versus open source, um, you know, battle in, in technology and, um, and at each, in each kind of product category or class of product, um, there's some, sometimes a different winner. So in my personal life, I use, you know, mostly Apple products because that vertical integration that they provide means that you usually have better security or better mm -hmm. user experience. But in our data center design, we almost always want open source, you know, infrastructure services because of our ability to control, control that, you know, control upgrades um, uh, you know, get the, the power of the community developing on it. And so, um, and so I, I, you know, AI is one of these technologies, which is how much does it benefit from the vertical integration? Uh, that, that's, that's an open question. How much does it benefit from the pure kind of scale and flywheel effect of the company that gets strongest can spend the most on GPUs, which can train the biggest models, which can then have you know, the, the better AI, which then gets more more revenue, and then that becomes a flywheel. You know, right now, um, you know, Facebook is is sort of doing this. They're somewhat subsidizing the whole effort with without kind of like obvious monetization. Um, whereas when Google did this with Android, they were going to monetize it through effectively search um, and um, and advertising. And so, so I, I, I mean, I love that Meta is 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 investing so much in, in open source AI. They they obviously benefited from probably their ad you know algorithms or whatnot. But but like it's probably hard for them still to compete with with you know mm -hmm. with OpenAI on some dimensions because OpenAI has a tremendous amount of 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 focus. They have a tremendous amount of resources to attack this problem, and clearly they have you know some of the best talent in the world working on it. So um, so but like. But I think you know again, if you look at this in ten years from now or twenty years from now, I you, you'd almost always believe that open source would be able to catch up, just because we've we've seen that in almost every other um, era of technology. But there could also be some idiosyncrasies about this, where where the commercial um, you know version is able to always sort of stay ahead uh, for for some for some set of reasons. And so I, I would just say like this one is like right. too confusing to predict at this point. Where's Google in all this? I mean, we keep hearing about this Gemini model; it's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, so Google is, you know, Google I would I would normally think of as in the in the it's actually you know interesting because Google usually will do the counter strategy to whatever the incumbent <laughs> strategy is. That's sort yeah. of their their typical path of disruption. So so um, you know, in theory they should be the one, they should be the meta of this situation doing the open source. Um, but uh, but they they obviously haven't haven't pursued that path. So, um, which kind of leaves them, you know, somewhere in between these, these approaches. And, and, um, and I think we're all, you know, equally waiting on the Gemini uh, launch. And, and we'll just see kind of what that looks like and, and where it's at. 
Sam Altman's sort of made the rounds in Washington and around the world uh, and been a very effective lobbyist for the regulation and the safeguards that he wants because he's had this company at his back that's been this nonprofit AI safety focused company. Can he still do that under a new structure? I mean, he's going to lose some of the sheen and credibility you'd imagine that he brought beforehand. Well, first of all, I don't, I mean, uh, I don't know that they've changed the nonprofit element. Do you know if that's the case? Well, not, no, the corporate structure isn't going to be different, but like we all know that it's going to be very different, a very different board. Yeah. You know, but, in terms of the people on there and, but and I, like I the Microsoft Association, that's like I said, oh, yeah. no more surprises. Yes. Um, uh, I, I guess I never, I never, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how like, you know, policy engines think, but like I never <laughs> saw, yeah, I never saw that their board was the reason why I could trust that organization. I, right. I, I, I trusted them more because they have a working product with leaders mm-hmm. that I, I generally understand their motivations. They have the most advanced technology. They have the best researchers. Um, and so, um, and so as a result of this change, I would say, I would say, you know, I, I would actually say, um, I mean, if actually, if anything, um, Sam's whole, whole sort of commentary is probably even more credible because, because we've, they we've did clearly, fire him. They did fire him. <laughs> so like, like he yeah. clearly is, he works mm-hmm. at the, you know, at, at the, yeah. at the mercy of the board. Um, but, uh, but I would probably trust the decisions to fire him much more with a much more stable, um, organized, thoughtful board of directors. Do you know what the story is behind this war between effective altruists and these uh, e-accelerationists or effective accelerationists? For the life of me, Aaron, I'm trying to piece it together. It's bananas. Uh, I think I understand it. What, what, what's your take? I don't know. I mean, so here, I'll, I'll just give my understanding. I think there are these, you know, these effective altruists which tend to like you know, want to be very cautious about the development of AI and then the yep. accelerationists who are like, build it as fast as possible. Like it's yep. basically like, you know, the open AI board of, of last week against Mark Andreessen's techno-optimist manifesto. Is that right? Like, and, and how, how big of a factor are these factions within Silicon Valley? Um, so I, well, first of all, I think like, you know, in a very simplistic way, I think you just described it. So I think you, you okay. do fully understand cool. it. So, <laughs> um, uh, Relief. <laughs> well, and, and, and like the subtleties are like, I think the, I think there's one camp, um, and I don't want to like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll be label free for a second. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that way I don't, you know, step in any landmines. I think there's a camp that sort of subscribes to, Hey, like let's slow down AI progress. And, um, and that'll give us time to figure out how we can make it more safe. Um, and, and then there's another camp which says like, like a, like, that's not even really clear if that makes any sense. Like what, what, like, how does one, how does one like decide what's the right speed? Like, should we type the code fast, like slower? Should we, should we just arbitrarily put fewer GPUs to work? Like what, like, like it's a very, it's a very, it's sort of like antithetical to everything else we do in, in technology progress, which is when you get to the next step, you learn more information. So you actually want to get to the next step as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So then you get to the next step and so on. And then, and so then th- that other camp is sort of like, well, well, actually AI is actually a good thing for society. So let's actually accelerate as much as we can to be able to, to get there. And oh, by the way, along the way, we'll learn what's not safe or what's not working. And, and, mm-hmm. and the ecosystem will continue as we always have in the past, you know, you know, many decades of technology we will continue to build the right safeguards 
um, as we go along. But oh, by the way, like we don't need to be fearful for our AI future. So, so that's that's also why we can just have this underlying sort of rate of acceleration. Um, and that that's you know how I generally view the two camps. Um, and I think that the you know it's interesting. I, I actually pro probably a week ago, um, I would have. I would have sort of said, hey, yeah, these are like academic conversations mm -hmm. that like talk about at dinner and and like, you know, these are like these are just the intellectual fun debates of, of Silicon Valley. Obviously, it turns out that these things are much more you know, significant and and real in, you know, at, at the board level of, of these AI labs. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I would not have predicted that. So just one thing about AI safety, like. One of the things that I saw, I mean, I had an AI founder who's basically DM me and said, the economics always win. That even if we had like an existential risk with AI, if OpenAI just stopped producing their thing, their, their technology, like the people that invested in them and the employees with money on the line would find a way to override whatever safety was built into their structure. What do you think about that? Well... The, the the reason why this is hard is my brain has not yet been able to click. Yeah. My, my, my brain hasn't been able to click into what is the actual specific fear that people are worried about, right? And and then why that fear, if that fear even gets remotely true, we're not mm -hmm. even like talking about like capitalism set, like level like like you know um, uh, intervention. We're talking about government intervention. Mm -hmm. Like if AI literally is doing things that kill people, then then like you know. Josh Kushner will not be able to override that, you know, uh, you know, because exactly. he, did a, he did a tender round. That that's like mm -hmm. literally where the FBI is going to show up, and they're going to be like, "What have you guys been building?" <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, like, I don't like. I, that's why I don't know that like two or three people on a board of directors need to sort of preemptively save the world mm -hmm. because they've they've sort of extrapolated some crazy set of events that are going to play out in ten years from now based on the decision Sam's doing right now. Like, like. Right. If if it gets that far, which for everything I'm looking at, I don't see how it does. But if it does get that far, then that's like this is just like above your pay grade. Like mm -hmm. this is a this is a different level type crisis and problem um, that that we're dealing with. Okay, last question for you. Um, yeah. Sam Altman seems pretty capable. I'm sure you've spent time with him. Um, how do you think he let this happen? Um. I think um, uh, so. He's in, he's insanely capable uh, yeah. and incredibly competent, and it, you know, obviously an incredible entrepreneur. Uh, I think that um, I, I think like other board drama that we've seen in history, I think um, uh, I, I think sometimes you can maybe m misunderstand or get out of step with or. Not totally, not totally see some of the, you know, have some blind spots of of where board members have kind of evolved to, um, and I think even the world's best entrepreneurs, you know, can run into that. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I don't, I, you know, I, I would just say that uh, uh, I would say this this can happen to the literal, you know, best best, you know, ex, you know, operators on the planet. Yeah, Aaron Levy, thanks so much for making time. I always yeah. learn so much from you from our conversations. Great having you on. Good chatting. See you, man. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another show, Breaking Down the News. Until then, we'll see you next time. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you on Friday on Big Technology Podcast. Thank you.